Cool. So my name is Sean. For those that don't know me, uh, I'm a leadership here at Harvest. I head up Young Life Youth Group here at church. Um, and I don't know. I won't go into too many details because I've got to uh, do this pretty quickly. But we're starting a, a new series tonight. It's called Too Blessed to be Stressed. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, don't be stressed. You are blessed. Just tell them that. Don't be stressed. You are blessed. Um, and when you think about the word blessed, it, uh, you can just keep that up, Jim, the whole time. Um, blessed, it, it's a funny word. Um, it's a word that gets thrown around a lot. I mean, Tim, got a hashtag at the moment. Um, when you think of a blessed life, a lot of us think cars, houses, uh, monetary things, um, anything that, that would um, set you apart from other people in terms of uh, physical items a lot of the time. So I got a new car. Oh, you're blessed. I'm, I'm so blessed. Somebody gave me a new house, what uh, Clint was praying for. I'm like, I'm so blessed. This is the word that we throw around all the time. But uh, when I go to my Bible and I read Matthew chapter 5, and I see Jesus on, uh, on the mount preaching, and he says, blessed are you um, who mourn. Okay, that's pretty weird. Uh, what about the cars? What about the houses, Jesus? He's like, no, blessed are the me. I'm like, okay. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who thirst and hunger uh, for righteousness. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the persecuted. I'm like, what? this is this is crazy. I'm like, what happened? I don't get it. Jesus, like, what happened to the houses, the cars, the blessings? Like, where is that? He's like, no. Blessed are you when you're persecuted. It's a strange thing, you know, like I work with a lot of young people, but I, I never for one moment when a young person comes up to me and they say, hey, Sean, like I'm really struggling. I'm being persecuted at school. Like all my friends, um, they just deserted me. They hate me. I'm getting ridiculed. I'm getting bullied, getting called names like Jesus boy, all this stuff. Um, I, it's strange. I don't say, oh, man, you're just so blessed. You're blessed. Just be free. <laughs> I don't do that. I, I, I'm real. And I put my arm around them. I'm like, man, that really sucks. But according to Jesus, when that happens, we're blessed. Like that's, that's just strange. And what we want to do over these next uh, five weeks, I think it is, we want to, just as a, as a leadership, we want to help unpack some things on what it means to live a blessed life. That a blessed life doesn't look like having all of the nice fancy things. It doesn't look like that at all. And as you'll see today, I, I, I'm kicking the series off with um, the topic of service and servanthood and laying our lives down for other people. And a blessed life actually looks like us laying our lives down for others and the blessing that comes with that. Cool. You guys all right? Yeah? I want to say that you guys can respond to me. You can uh, talk back to me. I, um, it's not because I need it and then I'm an incompetent preacher. It's not that um, if I say something and it stirs your heart, you just let out a, yeah, tabernacle, uh, praise him, whatever it is. Um, I remember when we went to Jamaica, uh, we did a mission trip. There this old lady in the back of the church, uh, the praise him lady, we call her, because anytime you get up to preach or say any, anything, anything, uh, she was just from the back of the church shout, oh, praise him, oh, praise him. <laughs> it was just so great. It was just so encouraging for you as a preacher to have this lady just constantly, she's got your back. Um, thanks. <laughs> praise him. <laughs> awesome. So uh, I'm going to 
I'm going to stop talking and get into it. Okay. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 9 to 13. Um, I want to say this while you're getting there. I believe that there's a desire in each and every person, and Chris was touching on it. There's a desire in every single person in the world to do something significant, for their life to have significance, um, for them to make a change at some level. It can be a, a micro level or a macro level. But at some level, every single person inside of their heart of hearts wants to make a change for good. They want to make an impact in some sort of way. Um, and you'll see later that this is a godly desire that, that Jesus has put inside of each and every person. So John chapter 15, verse 9 to 13. Before I get there, as I was talking about that, sorry, I just felt like um, there's, when I say that, there's, there's significance in, inside each and every one of us. I mean, there's greatness inside each and every one of us. But what I want to show you guys tonight is that that greatness that God's put inside of us, it cannot just be greatness by itself. Like it has to sit in the context and in the, uh, under the foundation of uh, servanthood. It has to. If we're going to make a change in the world, if we call, and I'm going to show you like God's calling us to great things. He's calling us to change the world. We can't just have greatness. It has to sit within something called servanthood and service. All right. So John chapter 15 says this, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and I remain in His love. I've told you this that, uh, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. So the journey that we're going on as, as, a, as a community and as Christians and um, within our faith is to draw close to Jesus. If you want to whittle it down, like that is the journey that we should all be walking, to draw close to Jesus, to follow Jesus, to abide in Jesus. And, and I firmly believe that our call as, a, as the church is to be leaders within our city. That is our call. That is our mandate. And as we follow Jesus, uh, Paul says this. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So as we follow Jesus, uh, we're following Jesus. And as we, we get to know who Jesus is, we get to know who we are just by getting to know who Jesus is. We discover who we are. And as we follow Jesus, and as we draw closer to Jesus, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's what Paul says. As we draw, as we go on this journey to follow Jesus, get to know Jesus, we understand who he is. We understand who we are. People start to follow us. That, that's, that's the flow of what's happening in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And as we draw close to him in intimacy, we discover who he is. But we also discover who we are in him. And we discover that in him, there's greatness inside of us. Greatness to change the world. Greatness to do amazing things. To see the world change. To see cities changed. And I so believe that stuff's going to happen. It is so going to happen. And I just want to give you guys four points this evening. Four points that we need to realize when it comes to servanthood, when it comes to service. Four things that you just got to know this evening. And the first one is this. You need to realize that servanthood is not weakness. Servanthood is not weakness. You see, the message that Jesus spoke in his day was completely revolutionary. 
the message that he spoke, the message that he brought, it was so countercultural. I mean, he brought a message um, in his time. He said this, you can call God Abba. You can call God Abba, Father, Daddy. Like, if you understand what he was saying in those times, that was scandalous. That was revolutionary. That was so countercultural to the times. Like, you just did not do that. I mean, the Jews were even um, scared to write out the name of Yahweh. They, they had this, this unhealthy reverence for, for God. And if you got close to him, he might smite you. And Jesus comes in and he says, no, 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 no. This God, he's dad. You're like, dad? He's like, yeah, dad, dad, daddy. I mean, he, just, he doesn't say father. He uses the word Abba, daddy. So much so that this message, like the Pharisees literally wanted to kill him because of this. That was his message. It was so revolutionary, so offensive that it literally took him all the way to the cross and he was killed for it. And Paul reflects on this in Romans. He says, we are joint heirs with them. We are priesthood with them. We are royalty. You see, Jesus cultivated an atmosphere around him that when you realize who he is, you realize who you are. And there's greatness inside of you, that you're a friend of God, that you are royalty, that you are co-heir with him, that the demons are subjected to you, that you can pray for the sick and they'll get healed, that you can raise the dead. This is the greatness inside of us that Jesus brings. It's the message that he brings for us. And I love the story in Luke chapter 9, um, that the disciples... Such a funny story because they, they go out on a missions trip. Jesus sends them out, go out, they do all the crazy miracles, and they come back. And as they come back, they start to, they start to have a little bit of a competition with one another about the, the miracles that they've seen. So I can picture um, any one of them. Andrew, he's there and he's like, hey guys, I went on my missions trip and check this. I stood up at, a, at the temple in the city and 500 people were there. All of them got saved. All of them got baptized. How's that? And Matthew's like, oh, very, that's pretty cool, but check this out. Like, I was going to the small city, right? And there at the gate, um, there was a guy, he didn't have any legs. So what it did was faith rose up inside of me, and I said, you stand up, grow two legs. And what happened? I prayed for him, boop, two legs popped out. And because creative miracles are in a higher order to salvation, that means that I'm greater than you. I can picture, um, who's another one of them? Peter's like, oh, no, 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 guys. I'm like, that's cool, that's great. But... Me, the other day, I was down at another city. 2,000 people gathered to hear me preach. And there was a lot of pollen in the air that day, and I was preaching, and uh, all of a sudden I sneezed, and I, I sneezed. And as I sneezed, 1,000 people went out in the power. And my sneezes carry so much power that people get baptized in the Holy Spirit when I sneeze. So therefore, I'm greater than all you guys. I can picture Judas. He's like, hey, guys, I'm... I didn't steal any money today. <laughs> like, well done, Judas. No, just kidding. Uh, but this is how free the disciples felt around Jesus. They felt incredibly free whenever they were around Jesus. And I love the fact, if you go and read the story, it says that they were arguing about who was the greatest. It says that, it doesn't say that Jesus ever rebuked them for wanting to be great. I love that. Jesus never rebuked them for wanting to be great. What he did was he showed them you want to be great? I see the greatness inside of you. I put the greatness inside of you. But I want to show you. I'm not going to rebuke you for that because that's, that's a desire that I put inside of you. But I want to show you how you can be truly great. And in the context of royalty, in the context of greatness, in the context of leadership, in the context of being used to change cities and change the world, Jesus shares a story about a servant. 
to show his disciples what greatness truly looks like. And it's in Luke chapter 17, verse 7 to 10. It says this, When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of the sheep, does his master say, come and eat with me? No. He says, prepare my meal, put on your apron and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. I'll get into this. Uh, my last point, I'll come back to this. But Jesus shows us how to live our greatness. And he tells us we are, we are to love others the same way that he loves us. And then he describes what this love looks like. No greater love than somebody who lays down his life for a friend. And then Jesus lives it out. Not just physically, but he also, every single day, everything that he did, all the way to the cross, his whole life, his whole ministry, everything that he did was a laying down of himself for other people. And I want to say to you, in the revelation of royalty, leadership, and greatness, it has to sit in the context of servanthood. As you embrace the revelation of royalty, you cannot leave the revelation of servanthood. As you embrace the call to lead, you cannot forget the call to lay down your life for others. See, our example is Jesus. If you want to know how to live, how to lead, how to love, look to Jesus. I mean, we are meant to look like Jesus. When you go into your workplace, when you go into your schools, wherever you go throughout the week, we are meant to reflect Jesus. When people see us, they say, that guy follows Jesus. I just know it. He doesn't even need to stand on a table and preach. Like, I just know it. There's something about him. Have you guys ever heard of something called clickbaiting? Do you guys know what clickbaiting is? Yes? No? Um, I'll explain it to you. So I, uh, I don't go on Facebook a lot, but every now and again when I do, I, uh, as Facebook does to you, you want to go on for two minutes and three hours later you're scrolling through and then you're on YouTube on cat videos and you just wasted three hours of your life. But sometimes I'll, I'll sit there on Facebook and I'll be scrolling through and I'm like, oh, that's great. So-and-so got married. Oh, wow, well, so-and-so had a baby. Oh, so-and-so is angry with telecom. Someone thinks they're going to be blessed because they shared a picture of Jesus holding a lamb. I'm like, it's okay. And, uh, and a link comes up and it says, watch this video. Watch the first 45 seconds. You'll be hooked, I swear. I'm like, oh, man, I carry on. Oh, another person's had a baby. That's a cute baby. Keep scrolling. Oh, that's an ugly baby. <laughs> Keep going down. Another one pops up. 30 freaky people. You never knew existed. I'm like, oh, okay, now nah, I carry on. Keep going. Is the dress blue? Is it yellow? Is it Laurel Yanni? What are you hearing? All these stupid things you see on Facebook. And then this link comes up on my timeline. Man tries to hug a lion. You won't believe what happens next. And I'm like, uh, hug a lion. You can't hug a lion. There's no way you can hug a lion. A lion will eat you. I'm like, surely, like a lion will eat you. Maybe, no, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll just bite him. Do I want to see someone get bitten by a lion? No, that's weird. Like, I don't want to do that. Mm, okay. Okay, maybe I'll just check it out. Click. That's the hook. And what I've clicked on is basically a stupid video of a game ranger who grew up with this little lion. It's basically his little furry baby. And he comes into the, into the little pen and the lion runs over to, to greet him, jumps up on his shoulders and gives him a hug. End of video. I feel like I've wasted two minutes of my life along with the three hours of cat videos that I just watched. Like, I feel like I've just wasted so much of my time. This is clickbaiting. 
Clickbaiting is it, it shows you something or it sells you something. And when you, when you look deep or you click on it, it's something completely different to what it showed you. And I want to say to you this evening, like, I feel like us as the church, not just here, but the church and a lot of Christians, we are clickbaiting the world. We are clickbaiting the world. We are telling them, hey, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. I go to church. This is who I am. This is who I declare to follow. This is my Lord and Savior. And they know who we are. But when they come a bit closer, and they're like, oh, oh, this is interesting. And they click. And they look a bit deeper. What they see is something that doesn't match up to what we've professed and what we've proclaimed. We are clickbaiting the world. And I want to tell you this, like deep down inside, I firmly believe that people who don't know Jesus actually love Jesus. Deep down, people actually love Jesus. They love the Jesus that's full of love. They love the Jesus that's full of grace, that's got no judgment. He's got no violence. The Jesus that empowers women. That's radical, the Jesus that radically challenged societal and racial problems within his day. The Jesus who served others. They love that Jesus. They do. The world's crying out for that Jesus. But what's happening is we're telling them, yeah, I follow that Jesus. That's me. That's me. Click, 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 click. And they say, oh, okay. Oh, this looks good. Click. Oh, man. That's, that's nothing like, that's nothing like the Jesus like I know. Because I'm telling you, deep down inside of people, deep down, there's a longing for them to know God. It's a longing for them to know Jesus. And they truly are looking for Jesus. And they know what they're looking for. They do. But if we could just stop clickbaiting the world, that would help. But if we could just live a life that lines up to the life of Jesus and start to live lives where we don't just talk and our walk doesn't match our talk, but we talk the talk, but we also walk our talk. We're going to see so many people come to know Jesus through that. All right, number two, you've got to realize which kingdom you're a part of. You need to realize which kingdom you're a part of. Matthew 20, verse 25 to 28 says, But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world lord it over other people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under him. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. What? Crazy, I know. And whoever wants to be the first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. You see, what, what's happening is Jesus is creating this, this picture of two kingdoms. And he says, leaders of this world, authorities in this world, this is how they set up their lives. They set everything up so that people can serve them. Kings of those days, everything was about them. Taxes were created for them. They would go into war if they wanted more wives, if they wanted your kids, they would just go and take your wives, they would take your kids. Like everything was just set up for them. And Jesus is creating this juxtaposition and he's saying, listen, this is all you guys know in terms of authority, in terms of leadership. This is all you know. I want to show you something. That this is not who I am. I do not come to be served. I came to lay my life down for others. I came to serve. I came to get dirty. I came to go get down with the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the people that nobody gives a stuff about, the people who no one wants to give the time of day to. I came to serve them. And they're like, serve them? Them? Jesus, that's crazy. I'm like, yes, it's crazy. Servanthood is crazy. Service is crazy. Like laying your lives down for other people is not easy. It's not easy. 
It's not. See, what we love to do is, yeah, I'll, like God says, give me your sacrifice, and we give him our schedule. It's like, no. Like, when did service, when did servanthood ever have to fit into our schedule? And listen to me, I understand boundaries. I understand all of that stuff. Like, I understand we're busy. But it's become a thing where we've tried to fit God into our schedule, make everything about us. And whatever's comfortable, yeah, I could do that. I've, I've got time for that. Uh, kids, oh, kids, yeah, I've got my own kids. Why, why do I have to serve in kids' ministry? Mm. We made it all about us. And Jesus comes and he says, that's not how it works for you. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve, to give my life for others. And that's the lifestyle I want you to live. I want to ask you tonight, why are you here? Like, why are you here? Did you show up to be served? Or did you show up to serve? Because if you truly understand which kingdom you're a part of, you'll understand that we have a king who laid down his life for us and others. And he showed us the way of life and the lifestyle that we should live and that we should emulate. So why are you here? I'm going to offend some people tonight. <laughs> it's okay. This is just another Sunday that you come in to receive and you, you, you receive the worship and the preach and it's the best youth pastor you've ever seen in your life preaching at you and you're like, oh, that was a great sermon. Bless the Lord. I'm going home. I'm full for the week. Or do you understand like when I got saved, when I joined the kingdom, when I came into a community, my life is not my own anymore. I, like... Jesus set the example. He set the example of what the Christian lifestyle should look like. And it's laying ourselves down for others. That's what it is. It's, it's so simple. But it's something that we, we struggle with. Uh, to be honest, when I, I, I got this topic, I... I had to like deal with some stuff with the Lord because I'll be so honest with you guys, I get really frustrated um, when I see two people on the sound desk and that's it. Every single week, week in, week out, week in, week out. Just serving, giving. They never complain. They never ask for anything more. They're just here. They know exactly what they're doing. But I put out the call and I say, hey, why don't you come serve? We need some help at the back. Yeah, you know, like, oh, it's just, uh, I've got to work and my evening commitments are really important. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Do you understand which kingdom you're a part of right now, firstly? Do you understand what Jesus did for you? Do you understand the example, the life that Jesus laid down and the lifestyle that he calls us to emulate? Like, this has to change. It has to change. It has to. Like, oh, okay. Um, sorry. Oh. <laughs> I'll say to you guys, like, I'm, I'm, you can ask anyone. I, I love to serve. I'm the first one packing chairs out, moving chairs around. If they need someone to clean the toilets, I'm there. Like, I'm there. Doesn't matter my title, I could be leading hundreds of churches, I'll still be cleaning toilets. 
Because I have an understanding of what Jesus did for me. And he laid his life down. That was his ministry. Everything that he did, everything, was for others. And he says, do as I do. If you lay down your life for others, that is truly loving someone. Okay, third point. Realize this, that it's not spelt service. So realize this, that it's spelt service, not serve us. It's spelt service, not serve us. S-U-S-E-R-V hyphen U-S. It's not spelt that. And the truth is, it can so easily become about us, our comfort, what works for us, what doesn't work for us. And this is where serving comes in. You see, as you pursue Jesus, as you go after Jesus, as you hunger for Jesus, as your heart burns for Jesus, as you start to develop a passion for Jesus, and you, and you just become alive and your spirit just becomes hungry for Him, we come into the reality that if I'm going to be passionate about Jesus, it means that I'm going to have to be passionate about people. If I'm going to be passionate about Jesus, I'm going to have to be passionate about people. I cannot separate those two. I cannot separate them. There is no me without you. There is no me without you. Our destiny, what God has called us to, can only be found when we learn to lay our lives down for others. This looks like the way that we treat our friends, our family, uh, our church community, the poor, other genders, other races, other cultures, everything that we do. Yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm called to preach the gospel. Give me a mic. Or I'm called to lead worship to thousands of people. Give me a mic. Okay, I don't doubt the fact that you're called to do that, but why don't you just start in the parking lot, welcoming people in as they come in? Like, well, well that's not my calling. Well, it is now. <laughs> it is now. When you decided to follow Jesus, that became your lifestyle. That became your calling. I'm like, I don't doubt the fact that you're going to preach to thousands of people. I don't doubt the fact. I'm like, I can see the gift. I can see it there. I can see the potential. But let's not do greatness without forgetting the foundation that it should sit on. Like, let's not do that. We, we, we've created this, um, like, I'm a millennial, so I can say this, but this, um, millennials, like, really struggle with this. We've been thrown uh, the message of greatness. Um, and it's just come at us. You're amazing. You're so great. You're just incredible. You're going to change the world. And it's true and it's good, right? But if we divorce that from servanthood, what we create is just people who step in and think that the world owes them something. And, and it's just not Jesus. It's not Jesus. It's like, we're so focused on the message of identity and, and who we are in Jesus that we've forgotten about Jesus and who He is and what He's done for us and, and the life that He calls us to live. See, the truth is, if you can truly learn to love people in those moments, I'm talking about in the parking lot, when you fully know you're going to preach the gospel to thousands and millions of people, and you're in a parking lot, and you're serving, and and it's tough, but when you can truly learn to love people in those moments, it'll open doors to you for greater things that you ever thought possible. I have this little saying that goes like this. If you're willing to do things for God that no one wants to do, you'll do things for God that nobody else can do. See, I don't show God how much I love Him by how much church I attend. I show him how much I love him by the way that I treat those who attend, how I treat those who don't attend, 
how I treat those who hate our church. That's how I show love to God. As we learn to be people that lay our lives down for others, we begin to represent Jesus to the world. See, the pastor, there's a pastor called Chris Dursa. He says this beautiful quote. Jesus cannot be our message if sacrifice is not our lifestyle. Boom, drop the mic. <laughs> Nearly done. I think I'm on the last point. But we have to realize that if I'm going to passionately love Jesus, I cannot separate my love for Jesus from my love for people. I cannot. We have to lay our lives down for others because of our love for him. And this shows up. This shows up in packing chairs, unpacking chairs. This shows up in making coffee. This shows up in standing at the door greeting people. This shows up in serving in kids' ministry. This shows up in serving in youth ministry. This shows up at the media desk at the back, at the camera, at, at the sound desk. This shows up in many places. But it's the lifestyle that we need to embrace. It's a culture here at this church that we want to create, that we lay our lives down for others because of our love for Him. All right, my last point. Last point is this. We've got to realize that it's a gift that we give to God. Can I have a keyboardist up? Who is a keyboardist? I forget. Is Leah still here? She ran away. She ran. Can I get any musician to come and just... Yeah, yeah. Just play the guitar. Thanks, Clint. We've got to realize that this is a gift that we give to God. You see, in that story that I shared earlier about the servant who comes in from work, it's a story about a servant that Jesus tells. He goes out to work. His master tells him, do this. And he comes back. He does the job. And then Jesus says, should the servant wait for a thank you from his master? No, he just carries on preparing the table and just carries on doing what he does saying, I am a servant, this is my duty, this is what I do. It sounds like a harsh story, but it's, there's so much truth in this. You see, it's offensive to us, the, the story. It can be offensive to us. We live in a polite culture where we expect a thank you all the time. If I do something for you, I expect you to say thank you. My little girl, she's learning to say thank you. Emphasis on learning. <laughs> she's learning to say thank you. But the other day, three in the morning, she was just crying eyes out. I was absolutely exhausted. I was just over it. She's just screaming in my face. I cannot calm her down. And she's like, milk, milk, give me milk. I was like, I'm going to give you milk. I'll give you more than milk. <laughs> I take her to the fridge and I open the fridge three in the morning. I'm, I'm over it. And she's crying in my face. And I pour that thing. I, I like slam the fridge shut. And I, I give it to her. I'm like, here's your milk. And she goes, just in the middle of a crying. She's like, ah. Thank you, Daddy. I was like, oh man, just melted my heart. Melted my heart. But it's so strange how Jesus shares the story where the servant should not expect a thank you for what he does. I'm like, that's strange, Jesus. That's offensive. Like, why why not just a little thank you? I mean, he's 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 gone. He's done something. Give him a thank you. And there's some people here, you've been serving in kids' ministry, you've been packing chairs, you've been on media, you've been at the door, you've been serving for years and years and years, and you're saying, I've never had a thank you. I want to say, firstly, thank you. Thank you so much. I shared this message at the youth conference, and I broke down in tears with the media desk at the back. I was like, thank you, guys. 
thank you. It's the most underappreciated ministry in the church. Anything goes wrong up there, eyes don't look here, here, they look there. Like there. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Ant. Thank you, Jim. You guys are amazing. And look, I, I want to see a church that's grateful. I really do. But we've got to realize that when we serve, when we lay our lives down for other people, we're not doing it for a thank you. That's not why we're doing it. At the end of the day, this is a gift that we give to God. This is a gift that we get to give to Jesus. When I stack chairs, when I pray for the sick, when I serve those kids, when I serve the youth, when I make coffee, when I smile at somebody in the parking lot or at the door, it's a gift that I get to give to God. I don't want anyone to thank me. This is a gift I'm giving to God. I'm not doing it for people. I'm doing it for God. I don't need to thank you. What you need to do is you need to get with God. You just need to hear Him say this. You just need to hear Him say, I'm so pleased with you. I'm so pleased with you, my son, my daughter. I love that you're laying your life down. I love that you're learning how to serve. I love that you've understood the revelation of service. You've understood my son and what he did and you wanting to emulate that lifestyle. I love that. I love the fact when, when there's increase on your life, you're just thinking, how can I give it away? How can I give it away? Thank you. That's what you need to do. You've got to hear him say, thank you for standing at the door. Just bringing joy to so many people as they come in. Thank you for serving those snot-nosed kids. <laughs> you pull on your ankles. They pull your hair. They put paint all over you and food all over you. But you're the only good influence over their life in a week. Thank you. You need to get with him and hear him say, thank you for laying your life down. Thank you for making those coffees. And when people finish church and they just take that coffee and it's the best coffee they've ever had in their life. And I, and I trust it is because I don't drink coffee. Just makes the church experience a little better. Thank you. Thank you for serving so faithfully on sounds, on worship, going to people's houses, praying for the sick, whatever it is. That's what we need to do. That is all we need. We don't need a thank you from man. We just need to get with our Father and hear Him say it. Jesus. Okay, I'm just loving people the way that Jesus loved me. Jesus, you love me so passionately. I'm going to lay my life down for others. The least I can do is love other people the way that you love me. I don't need to thank you. You laid your life down for me. I'm going to do the same. If loving people looks like stacking chairs, God, I'll do it. If loving people looks like cleaning the toilets, I'll do it. I'm going to lay my life down for others. I want to say this, I feel like there's, there, might, there might be people here with certain mindsets. Some people here, you think, oh, this, this church has got a staff. It's got a staff, quite a big staff. They don't need me. It's not that we don't need you, but God, God needs you. Some people, you might be looking in here, you might be seeing the worship team and you're older. You're like, oh, that's me. I can't do that. I'm too old. I'm too young. 
I've never done that before. That's not me. I want to say to you, if this is your church, then be the church. If this is your church, be the church. Be the hands and feet extended in this community. Live out your calling. I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to when they said to me, Sean, you know what? When I decided to serve, when I decided to, to lay my life down, when I decided I'm going to, whatever it is, put my name on a roster, whatever it is, the day that I decided to do that, everything changed in my relationship with God. Everything. My relationship went to new levels. Something changed when I decided that I'm not going to come to church and just receive. I'm not going to come to church and just be a spectator anymore. I'm realizing that this is my family. This is a community. And when I step into the kingdom of God, I realize that I have a mandate to lay my life down just like my king laid his life down for me. Something changes. Something radically, radically changes when we do that. Why don't we just close our eyes? just want to pray for us. Jesus. Lord, we, we thank you. We thank you so much for what you did for us, how you laid your life down for us, God. You went all the way, God. You did not stop. You went all the way to the cross. It's just such a beautiful, beautiful picture of service, God. God how the world was just expecting a warrior king who will come and just kill off the Romans and bring violence and overthrow a government, God, that you came hands down, knees in the dirt, towel around your arm, washing people's feet. God, I pray that we would be a church that understands us, God. We'd be a church that would live our lives in such a way that it becomes offensive to the world. We live our lives in such a way that we would stir our brothers and sisters in the church to, to greater levels in you, Father as we give, as we lay our lives down, as we, we give up sacrificially, Father God, then it would stir something in other people's hearts to do the same. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And just if you're sitting there and you, and you want to say, you, you just want to, look, I'm not saying you're going to sign up for a roster right now. You need to figure that out with God. But if you, here tonight and you're saying, Jesus, I want to do more for you. I want to lay my life down for you. God, show me where I can serve. Show me where I can give up my time. Show me where I can give up my energy. Show me where I can live a lifestyle that replicates yours. Just where you're sitting. If that's you, just stick up your hand. I just want to quickly pray, pray over you. Is that anyone here? Awesome. Anyone else? Thank you. Jesus, I just pray for everyone with their hands up, Lord, that you would just just increase what you're doing in their life, Father God. I thank you for them, Jesus. I just pray that they would start to get plugged in, Father God, that they would just start to, wherever it may be, Father God, that you just show them areas where they can start to give of themselves. And as they do that, they would step into their destiny. And as they do that, they would step into the destiny that you have for them, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Just love your presence, God. Pray this in your name. Everybody said, 
Amen. Yeah.